morning, Hope Vale. Let's go ahead and stand together. We want to join our voices. Sing hallelujah to God. Your love is like radiant diamonds bursting inside us.
Well, this morning we want to be closer to God. We want to draw near to Him as we learn about all that He is, all that He has done, and acknowledge that we need Him. We need Him in our lives. We need Him to be close to us.
Amen. Welcome to Hovail. We are excited you have joined us here in this place today, and hopefully you are beginning to escape from the busyness, the craziness of uh, the week that has just passed, and entering into this space where we want to celebrate, to worship, to hear what God has for us on this day. Uh, But before we get to that, we just want to take a moment, see who is around us today. Let's be a welcoming community and welcome one another this morning. You can go ahead and have a seat. Again, welcome to Hope Vale today. We're excited you have joined us. We're kicking off a new series, um, which uh, Pastor Adam is going to join us uh, to lead off in just a few moments. But before we get to that point, we want to continue on in our worship today. We want to continue on by participating in our offering uh, this morning. We want to give God uh, the glory for how he provides for us every single day. I'll pray uh, as we enter this time and the ushers come forward. God, you are so good, and um, even when we cannot see, we trust in all that you are. We thank you for the way you provide our daily bread, our every need. Um, Sometimes our wants outweigh our needs, God, but you have a way of seeing um, the longer-term view of what is good for us, and we thank you for that. We thank you for your provision, your providence uh, to each and every one of us in this room. And we pray that uh, through this offering time that you would use this to grow your kingdom, God, to expand your kingdom on this earth because of your love, because of your grace, because of your mercy. God, in your great grace, we pray that you, um, as we've just sung through, would increase your presence in this place so that um, we would know you more. And that your love would be seen by our neighbors, uh, by those around us. And God, that you would continue to work on us and you would continue to work on our hearts and you would continue to grow us and transform us uh, from the inside. And we pray uh, day by day that uh, we would be transformed into the image of Christ. We thank you for all that you've done to prepare the way for us. And we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, and we pray in his name. Amen. i 
That's all right. He is worthy of all praise. God, we thank you so much for who you are, for all that you have done. You are indeed worthy of all praise. We give you glory today. And we long for that day when we see you face to face. But we thank you for this day that we get a glimpse of who you are. Teach our hearts today to follow after you. We love you and thank you. In that name of Jesus, amen. You can have a seat. Oh, good morning. What a great song. It's so good to be here together this morning. Uh, my name is Adam Harbaugh. I'm the outreach pastor here at Hopevale. And I just have to say, I, I don't know about you guys, but this is one of my favorite Sundays of the year. Super Bowl Sunday, right? Anybody else excited for the game? A few people, that's good. So I realize, though, probably talking to a lot of us Lions fans. So the Super Bowl is this game that... Uh, You know, good teams get to play at the end of the playoffs if they win through the playoffs. Um, And playoffs are these games that you get to play at the end of the race. So maybe one day, right? Maybe one day we'll be there too. But we're not here to talk about football this morning. Uh, As the song we just sang, you know, we are here to bring praise and glory and honor to our great God. And as the outreach pastor here, I get the the privilege to launch this uh, locally focused outreach series called Love Your Neighbor. And so I just want to share for a couple minutes about outreach at Hopevale. And so really for us, you know, our heart, our goal is to see the church become even more actively engaged in their Great Commission calling. To make disciples of Jesus Christ, to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And so here at Hopeville, we do that together as a community of grace and truth who invite people to know and follow Jesus. Now, relatively speaking, you know, we're, we're a larger church. And sometimes, you know, being a larger church, depending on how plugged in and involved you are here, uh, it might be, you know, kind of difficult if all you experience is in this room on a Sunday morning, uh, that that might be your, your picture and your understanding of Uh, what Hopeville is and what we're all about. And that is true. That's part of what we do. We gather here on a Sunday morning corporately to praise and worship God together. Uh, But there is also so much more that's happening under the surface and behind the scenes and just the depth of ministry taking place through this congregation out in the community. And so while it might be easy to kind of get lost in a sea of people on Sunday morning, uh, there are just so many more, such an undercurrent uh, of ministry happening here at Hopevale through the body of Christ here. And I just, I love that. Because we're not a church of paid ministers who are the ones who, you know, do all the work of ministry and, and Hopevalers are just the receivers sitting in the chairs. That's not the kind of church we are. That's not what we're all about. You know, we're the body that gets involved in being the church out in our world. And that is just incredible stuff. So our heart for this series is that God would just continue to nudge our hearts to become even more engaged in the mission to invite others to know and follow Jesus. Because there's really no greater or higher calling for us in our lives than that, than to live for Christ. And so over through the month of February in this Love Your Neighbor outreach series, we're going to be talking about four different things over the coming weeks. And so this morning we're going to be talking about how to love others how to love well, how to love together, and how to love more. 
And so as I said this morning, we're kicking it off with what it means to be called to love others. And as I take a step back from love for others, you know, you just kind of consider the flip side of that. So if we're not loving others, what are we doing? You know, our, sometimes our natural tendency, our natural inclination is to be self-focused, to think so much of ourselves and to think about ourselves often. So the, the self-focused approach to life would ask questions like this. You know, what's in it for me? Who is serving me? How does this benefit me? How does this better me? You know, if, uh, if you still walk into a physical bookstore like Barnes & Noble, you might see a lot of books on the shelves about self-help, uh, self-discovery, self-improvement books. And it's not that those are bad things. I mean, it's good that we want to grow as people and become more healthy and productive and all of those things. But at the same time, there could be a tendency in that to just continually be self-focused and not consider uh, the needs of others around us. So we're kind of saturated with ourselves in society more often than not. You know, and yet throughout the Bible, you know, you read passages about how we are called to die to ourselves. Now, just a couple uh, of those passages in Colossians, you know, Paul wrote, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Or in Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Or the Gospel of Luke, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the Gospels will save it. And so as followers of Jesus who are maturing in our faith, there should be movement in our hearts to die to our self-centered desires. So this morning, as we talk about loving others, I think it's just important for us to acknowledge this internal shift that needs to take place in our focus from being self-centered to others-focused. So to lay the groundwork for this entire series, we're going to be digging into the parable of the Good Samaritan. And this is found in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. We have a number of places that you can follow along with that, uh, either on the screens behind me or if you have a smartphone. Uh, we actually have a Hopevale app, and you can click Bible on there, follow along with the passage, and even be able to take some notes on what we're talking about today. So as we dive into this passage, here is how Jesus sets it up. He says in verse 25, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, first of all, that is a great question for all people in all time to ask. What must I do to inherit eternal life? The problem or the issue in this instance was that this, this expert in the law, uh, he was using this question to test Jesus. So as an expert in the law, he would know exactly what the Old Testament scriptures say about this very thing. And so in essence, he was looking for an answer about inheriting eternal life that didn't line up with Old Testament law. And so his intention was to trap Jesus into saying something that wasn't in line with the law. But Jesus is a little bit smarter than this guy. And so he, what does he do? He points him to the law. Verse 26, Jesus asks, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And the expert in the law answered, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all of your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. So do this and live. 
love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, it's really such a simple concept, but it's also very profound as you dig deeper into it because it's packed with so much more about how we're called to live our lives. You know, there's a reason that, that this passage is called the Great Commandment. You know, as followers of Jesus, you know, if you and I kind of want a personal mission statement for living for the Lord, I would say this would be it. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So first, love God. You know, God deserves our love. He is above all others. All glory and honor and praise are His, and He is deserving of it because He first loved us and gave the life of His one and only Son for us. So loving God. Second, love your neighbor as yourself. So kind of as I alluded to earlier, and there's so much here that we could dive into that we just don't have time for, but to be reminded that loving yourself isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's understanding who you are in the eyes of your Creator understanding how Jesus sees you, how Jesus knows you and feels about you. You know, that is the key to loving yourself. And out of that overflow of loving God and loving yourself in an appropriate way is when we can begin to enter into this space of loving our neighbors. So love God, love others. Both of those statements actually uh, indicate that we're not supposed to be self-focused. So to live meaningfully actually uh, calls for a shift in focus away from ourself. And in this situation, Jesus knew the heart of the expert in the law was pretty self-centered and self-focused. And so Jesus was actually pushing against that. And because Jesus was pushing in that, verse 29, it goes on and it says that the expert in the law wanted to justify himself. And so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? See, being pointed to the law, which he knows thoroughly, wasn't what he was expecting from Jesus because it pointed out the fact that he knew the answer to the question. He was able to repeat verbatim what the law said, but it pointed out the fact that he knew the answer, but he didn't actually live out loving God and loving others. And so he felt the need to ask this question. So who is my neighbor? And to answer that question, Jesus tells him a story. Verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. So, right off the top, you know, this, this man who was traveling down this road, we don't know who he was. We don't know why he was going to Jericho. We don't know the circumstances of his journey. But what we do know is that he was traveling along a dangerous road all by himself. We know that he was attacked, stripped, beaten, and left for dead. He's in a pretty rough place. So we can hopefully all clearly see that this was a man who was in need. And Jesus continues, A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. So here we have a priest, one who taught and offered sacrifices for the people, and a Levite, one who worked in God's temple. These would have been two people in positions that it would have been very easy to expect that, of course, these are going to be the guys who are going to stop 
see the need and help the person uh, who was in need. But instead, what did they do? They passed by. They intentionally passed by on the other side of the road to avoid getting involved. So they passed by the need. Why would they have done that? So we don't know specifically why, but you can, you can begin to speculate a little bit about why they might have ignored this need. And if we're believing the best, on the one hand, you know, with uh, the Old Testament law, uh, it's written that if, if a priest or a Levite came into contact with a dead body, that they would have become ceremonially unclean and therefore unable to perform the duties of their job, their position. So if we're believing the best, we can say, okay, maybe they didn't realize that the guy was half dead. Maybe they thought he was dead, and so it was just best for them to cross by on the other side of the road so that they wouldn't become ceremonially unclean. So that's a possibility. Uh, If you kind of begin then to go down a more negative road of, of possibilities, you know, maybe in their minds they were just too busy. They had too much going on. Maybe they were leaving Jerusalem and heading to Jericho uh, because they had a busy season of ministry and they just wanted to get home and they were just tired of people and didn't want to get involved. They were just too busy. So they saw the man in need and they crossed by on the other side of the road. Take it another step further. Maybe they just didn't care. They saw the person in need and maybe in their perspective, uh, it was a road that You know, if they stopped and helped, nobody would have known that they stopped and helped. Nobody would have recognized that, oh, what a good person this is to stop by and enter into this need. And maybe they said, hey, if nobody's watching, then I'm just going to cross on the other side of the road and go about my day. So we don't know the exact answer to why they ignored the need and crossed by on the other side of the road. But the point is, is that they avoided getting involved in this situation. So Jesus continues, verse 33, says, But a Samaritan, and we need to stop right there because this is significant, because if the priest and the Levite were named to create a feeling of expectation that they would help, you know, the Samaritan was named to indicate that this was the last person in the world that you would expect to stop and help, because Jews and Samaritans hated each other. It was well known. And so a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. So to illustrate this for us in some non-serious terms, you know, this would be like, You know, one of us, a Michigan or a Michigan State fan, is left for dead on the side of the road. And an Ohio State Buckeye is the one who sees the need and enters in. You know, an Ohio State Buckeye, like the person who just is heartless and godless. No. No offense, anybody. That's a joke. But maybe that illustrates it for us a little bit, that this was the last person that you would expect to stop and help. So the Buckeye, I mean the Samaritan, engaged the need. The Samaritan gave of his time, his energy, his resources, his comfort, his donkey, his money, to be sure that the needs of this man, who culturally he was allowed to hate, were met. That is pretty incredible. Now that is how you love others. 
So it's a reminder to us that the love of others has to transcend all these natural or human boundaries that we put into place, such as race, nationality, religion, or uh, economic or educational status. All of those things need to be put aside so that we can see people the way that God sees them and be willing to enter in to those needs to show love to others. So after telling this story, Jesus posed this question to the expert in the law. Verse 36, he says, So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. See, Jesus didn't tell that story to show the expert in the law who his neighbor was. He told the story to illustrate to the expert in the law that he knows what he should do in response to the law but he doesn't actually put it into practice by loving others. And that's the concept that I want to drill down on this morning with the rest of our time. See, it's, it's all about taking what we believe in our head from head knowledge to heart action, to be able to live out what we believe. So I want to take a look at you know, what head knowledge and heart action are. So in this story, head knowledge... And this would be the interaction between the expert in the law and Jesus and the story that Jesus tells. Head knowledge people would be the expert in the law, the priest, and the Levite. And these were guys that know what the Scripture says. They know it in their minds. If they're asked questions about it, they can answer it intelligently. They know the law. They know the Scriptures through and through, but it doesn't change their heart. And somewhere in that along the way, they have just a self-righteous attitude. They feel that because they have this knowledge in their head, that that puts them on a pedestal, a position of superiority over others and give, you, give them maybe the ability to look down on others, especially those in need, as we saw them cross by on the other side of the road when they had an opportunity to enter in to love somebody else. And so at the end of the day, with the, the knowledge of what uh, Scripture says and that self-righteous attitude, at the end of the day, they fail to live out the heart of Scripture. So in essence, head knowledge people have a command of the Scripture, but the Scripture doesn't have command of them, doesn't have command of their hearts and, and flow out in action. You know, James chapter 2, verse 26 talks about this. It says, As the body without the Spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Faith without action is dead. So we can know all we need to know or all we want to know in our heads, but if that doesn't translate into action, then our faith is dead. So let's move on to heart action. So in this story, this is displayed by the Samaritan. It's displayed by that person that you would at least expect to enter into it. So what did the Samaritan do? The heart action was that he saw the need. He's walking down the road. He sees a man half dead, and he just knows that he can't ignore it. And so when he sees the person in need, his heart goes out to him. He has pity on him. He shows compassion. And so uh, that led him to the action of showing mercy. He took action in that situation. He didn't just cross by and say, well, oh, I can't get involved. Somebody else is going to take care of it. He recognized that this was a prime uh, opportunity for him to live out his faith, to put it into action. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6 talks about this when it says that 
The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And love is a verb. Love is action. So we have to take our faith and live it out in those opportunities to share God's love with others. And remember that action that he did. It wasn't just a simple thing. He gave of his time, his energy, his money, his resources, his comfort, his donkey, uh, to be sure that the needs of that man were met. And so as we consider all this today, I just want to ask us, all of us, you know, how are you and I doing at loving others? How are we doing when God puts those opportunities across our path to enter in? How are we doing at moving from head knowledge to heart action and the opportunities that God places along our path? And this, I write, this is challenging stuff, right? But we're called to do it. And I want to take a moment to, to talk about the, the reason that we're called to do it. Because get this, as I reflect on this story, here is the real reason that we're called to do it. Because we, you and I, we are the ones who were beaten, stripped, robbed, and left for dead on the side of the road. That's you and me. We were the ones that, uh, in God's eyes, have been stripped and beaten and broken and in need of help. But Jesus was our good Samaritan who saw our brokenness, had compassion, and entered into this world to save us through the giving up of his very life. That is why we are called to love others, because Christ has first done the exact same thing for us. And so Jesus' words at the end of the story, to go and do likewise, still ring true for us today. You know, we can't. We can't be a church of head knowledge people. You know, rather, we want to continue becoming a church that is full of heart action people, people who are passionately living out uh, the purpose of loving God and loving others. So as we begin to wrap up uh, this morning, I want to I do a little exercise. So I'm going to ask, and not jumping jacks or anything like that. So in this exercise, just take a moment, close your eyes right where you're sitting. So go ahead and close your eyes. And I want us all to think of a missionary or an evangelist. Think of a missionary or an evangelist. Who's the first person that comes to mind? Who do you picture? If you have that person in your mind, I want you to open your eyes, take a moment, turn to the person next to you, and just share who it was who you pictured, who came to mind. Go ahead and do that. So when I did this exercise years ago and was asked that same question, the person that came to mind for me was Billy Graham. Anybody else Billy Graham? All right, a few Billy Grahams. Anybody else come to mind? Any of our missionary outreach partners? Who comes to mind? Gibbs? Okay. Yes, Gibbs, our outreach partners. Mike Schultz, some of our outreach partners. Okay, let me ask this. Did anybody in here picture themselves? Ooh, anybody. See, the same thing happened to me, right? I pictured Billy Graham. So the reality is, the challenge is, is that when we think of missionaries and evangelists to our world, why not think of ourselves? That is the mission that we have been called to as followers of Jesus Christ, to be missionaries in the world that we live in every day. That is where God has placed us. That's where he's put us. 
That's where he has called us to be ministers of the good news of his gospel. To be people who have our eyes and our hearts open for those kinds of opportunities to enter in to the needs that we see around us and show God's love to others. So as you came in this morning, uh, you might have seen the map in the lobby. And my encouragement, whether it's this morning or over the next three weeks, is for everybody to just take a moment to go to that map and interact with it a, a little bit. And what we're asking you to do is uh, there are uh, bowls with pins in them. Now, they are sharp pins, so you know, please pick them up with caution. Uh, if anybody pokes their finger or anything, I, there might be band-aids at the Welcome Center. I'm not sure. Uh, but proceed with caution. But what we would like you to do is pick up two pins and put them in the map. Put one where you live and the other one where you work or spend the most time outside of the house. Now, the goal with this is just to give us all a visual representation uh, as a body of Christ at Hopevale, a visual, a visual representation of where God has placed all of us, where we live, where we work, where we spend the majority of our time out in the community. You know, because when we're called to love others, uh, both individually and corporately, you know, on the individual side of things, it could be very easy to just think, ah, you know, I'm, I'm one person. You know, what difference could I make by myself? But the reality is, so as we pin these, uh, put these pins in the map, I hope that it just gives us uh, the encouragement that we are not in this alone. We're called to do it together. Now, there might be times where you have to engage with other people on an individual level. But man, just to think that as we're all willingly doing this together, the impact that we can have for uh, the kingdom together. You know, to know that there are a thousand other people out there who are stepping up to this opportunity and saying, how can I become more of a heart action person where I see needs around me and I enter in? So that's my, uh, that's my invitation to all of us. Interact with that map in the lobby, and I think it's going to be really neat when we all get the pins in there to just see how broad of an area God has placed us in to make a difference right here in our own backyard for his glory. And so uh, overall, I'm, just, I'm very excited for this entire series and what God is going to teach us and show us through this, how he's going to move us uh, more and more from being head knowledge people because the head knowledge is important, but it has to flow out into action as we love God and we love others. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this morning. God, thank you for your word to us and just the depth of this story and how you, uh, the same way you knew the expert in the law, God, you know us, you know our hearts. And God, we are grateful for just the opportunity to uh, continue to get to know you more and then to live that out on a daily basis in very practical ways. And so, God, we just pray that uh, as a congregation, you would continue to move our hearts to be more in alignment with loving you and loving others out in our community. God, we love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand together as we respond.
Take heart, God has overcome the world. Thank you so much for being here this morning. I just want to encourage you to be here next week as well. Pastor Dan is going to continue this series as we talk about how to love well. And we have something very, very special planned, and that's all I'm going to say about that, but you're not going to want to miss it. So we hope to see you next week. Have a great afternoon.